Welcome to Preach the Word Podcast. My name is Ashton McDonald, and I'm your host. I'm going back in the archives for today's episode to a sermon that Pastor McDonald shared with us on September 25th of 2016. The scripture reading comes from the book of Jonah, chapter 4. The sermon is titled, Getting Through What You Can't Get Over. I would like to take a moment to make you, the listener, aware that as I upload more of these older sermons, I am encountering more and more issues with audio quality. Many of these older recordings have some frequency feedback that momentarily disrupts the audio, and I do apologize for that. I try my best to edit it out or blend it in so that it's not as noticeable, but it is still there. And I appreciate you, the listener, understanding and continuing to tune into the podcast. If you would like to contact us, you can do so by emailing preachthewordpodcast at gmail.com. Listen today as Pastor McDonald talks to us about getting through what you can't get over. Thank you for listening. Chapter 4 of Jonah. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and repentest thee of evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then said the Lord, Dost thou, doest thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day and it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished himself to die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I I do well to be angry, even unto death. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand 
and also much cattle. The Lord would stand by me today. I, I want to preach a message entitled, Getting Through What You Can't Get Over. First, may I say that this, this, this book of Jonah is not really about Jonah at all. It's about Jonah's God. As a matter of fact, this book of Jonah makes mention of God 30 plus times. And Jonah is only referenced less than half of that. So the, the main character of the story is not Jonah at all. It's God. And may I say that the Creator is always greater than the creation. And there's some wonderful things about this book of Jonah that I want to show you of God. First of all, it's very clear and plain that God is gracious. Can you say amen? Not only does the book of Jonah show us that God is gracious, but the book of Jonah shows us that God governs. He's still in control, isn't he? Not only that God is gracious and that God governs, but it shows us that God is good all the time. And so I want to take this brief chapter here and show you of how that by God and God alone, you can get through things that you feel like you just can't get over. Now very plainly, this prophet was prejudiced. Very plainly, this prophet was a bigot. Very plainly, this prophet had animosity. And when I, I, I use words like that, we think, well, that would never be me. And oftentimes, we don't want to be candid, and we don't want to be honest with ourselves that perhaps we ourselves are guilty of being prejudiced. And we ourselves can become a bigot. And we ourselves may have animosity toward a certain person or certain people. But because of the fierceness of the Assyrians, because of the horrors and the atrocities that they had committed against the other lands, there was something in Jonah that he just had a hatred for the Ninevites. And that's the very reason why he did not want to go preach to the Ninevites because Jonah knew that if he went and preached to the Ninevites that they would hear and believe the Word of God and they would call upon God in repentance and God would repent of His wrath, the city would be saved and Jonah didn't want them to be saved because of his animosity, because of his prejudice and because of the bigotry that was in his heart. And so this may be painful but necessary. Oftentimes in our life toward people or a group of people, there may be anger and animosity. And there may be also bigotry and bitterness. And there may be hatred that we harbor. All this prejudice and pride that we have in our own heart. And after all, what causes prejudice? Pride. 
because of our statue or our status or station in life. We figure ourselves to be something better than someone else because of the house we live in, the car we drive, our education, our job, the color of our skin. All of these things may cause us to be filled with pride. And because of that, we have prejudice against other people. We have a preconceived idea about them. But oh, I'm so glad that overarching and overruling, amen, all of that was Jonah's God. A God that loves a man no matter of his race, no matter of his rearing, no matter of his creed, no matter of his color, no matter of his nationality. It matters not who that man is. It matters not where that man's from. It matters not his background. It matters not his teaching or his lack of teaching. Teaching God is a God that loves all creation. Will the church say amen? And so Jonah to us is a lesson that God is concerned about every soul. God is concerned about every soul because he is a God of grace. He is a God that governs and he is a God that is good. Now, please. Life is filled with giving, and when there's giving, there's forgiving. And when there's forgiving, we can live in thanksgiving. Jonah is not in thanksgiving. He nurses a selfish grief. And because of this selfish grief, he has a sinful gripe. I don't know why he nursed this hatred and animosity that he had. He may have had a family member. It may have been a parent or a grandparent that had been killed by these Ninevites when they came to take and try to besiege the children of Israel. I don't know, but for some reason, Jonah had a hatred for the Ninevites. And because of that grief that he had, it turned into a grievance against God. And that's the thrust of my message today. I want you to hear me well, please. Life is not without its disappointments. Life is not without its hurts. Life is not without its misunderstandings and grief. But if you cannot come to the place of forgiving, you will never live in thanksgiving. You will never be thankful for anything you have. You will never be appreciative of the goodness of God. You will never live in gratitude. You will never have a sense of thankfulness for what God has done. Oh, but when you realize that God forgave you, you owe it to yourself and to others to be forgiven even if you don't feel like forgiving. You may feel like you have been misaligned. You have been misjudged. You have been misinterpreted. Your character has been assassinated and your name has been maligned. And someone may have done something that you can't get over. But I'm going to preach to you by God's help. You can get through what you can't get over. And that's the beauty of this story is that God shows Jonah how to forgive his enemies. <clears throat> Back in the 19th century, they were two great writers. One was Charles Dickens. We all remember him, the Christmas story. 
A Tale of Two Cities, numerous books. However, there was another great noted author in that day by the name of Thackeray. Somehow or another, Thackeray and Dickens became rivals. And because of that sense of rivalry between these two noted great literary artists, they became enemies of each other. They never had anything good to say about each other. And it seems that they were always, there was barbs being written and making attacks on one another. And then one day, suddenly, on the street, Dickens came face to face with Thackeray. And suddenly these two rivals are there. And Thackeray was the better man. Thackeray stuck out his hand and took the hand of Dickens and showed him forgiveness. It broke Dickens. They parted. A week later, Thackeray suddenly died. (laughs) And upon the death of Thackeray, the writer wrote and said, Is it not well to always forgive soon? For you know not when it will be too late. (laughs) Friend, the reason why you need to forgive now is because tomorrow it may be too late. And that's what God wants to show to Jonah. You may have anger and animosity against these people, but nevertheless, the best thing that you can do is to forgive them. Come quickly, I want to leave you with three things. First of all, I contend that God's grace is better than what we deserve. God's grace is better than what we deserve. Jonah even says that to God when he says, Thou art a gracious God. Jonah said, I knew that before I ever left the homeland. I knew that you were a gracious God. May I say that God is gracious in the patience that He shows when we are disobedient. God could have said, all right, Jonah, if you don't want to do my bid, if you don't want to heed my command, if you don't want to hearken to my call, I'll just get someone else. And God could have just wiped Jonah off the map, but not the gracious God Jehovah. Rather, he prepared a great fish. And so is the patience that God shows the disobedient. I am so glad that God is a God of mercy and God is a God of compassion. His mercies fail not. They are renewed every morning it's by his mercy that we're not consumed if we had got justice we'd be in a burning hell right now but God is more gracious than what we deserve we don't deserve salvation we don't deserve God's loving kindness but it's grace the acronym G-R-A-C-E defines what grace is 
God's redemption at Christ's expense. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's by God's grace that we're saved today and God's grace is better than we deserve. God's patience when we're disobedient. And also God's provision when we are deficit. Notice here that God in his patience gives provision unto his servant. And the scripture said in verse 6 of Jonah 4, And the Lord prepared a gourd. To a disobedient servant, he prepared a great fish. And then now for this servant that is angry and filled with animosity and hatred, God prepared a gourd. I, I appreciate how that God, he, he not only gives us things that we don't deserve, but he gives us things that we need. No other God can do that. Not the God of the Assyrians. Not the God of these Ninevites. None of them can, their gods cannot provide for them. But our God can provide. Our God can supply. Our God can meet our needs. And the scripture said that God will supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's the kind of God I serve. A God that provides for us. And God prepared a gourd for Jonah. Somehow another God with his governing power, with his great power, he knows how to provide exactly what we need. Only recently, and I wish he was here to tell it. I, I, I do, but... Uh, recently, I heard Brother John Isaacs preach, and Brother John told of how that he had a financial need in his life, and um, him being a pastor, pastor in a real small church, and they had relocated, essentially just a pioneer work, and and Brother John worked for himself. He had a, a business where he, he did power washing and cleaned houses, and but work was slow, and, and times was a little tight. And he said, I was driving down the road, and he said, I had a certain financial obligation, and I had no way of meeting that need, and it was due the very next day. And he said, I was driving down the road, and the Lord spoke to my heart and told me, go to so-and-so realtor office and so John said he went to that realtor office and when he walked in the realtor the owner of the business was standing at her desk and she said why John he addressed her by name and he said ma'am I'm looking for work you know that I do house cleaning with power washer do you have anything she said I certainly do and she said I've got this and this and this and he she said what would you charge John he said I already knew what I was going to charge <laughs> Amen. 
He said, I, I charged her the exact amount of what my obligation was. And she said, oh, that sounds fine. That, that'll be perfectly all right. That satisfies me well. He said, I turned to go. And she said, John. He turned back to the realtor. And she had a misty look in her eyes. And she said, were you praying before you got here? He said, yes, ma'am, I was. She said, just before you came into my office, I had went over to the board and she pointed there to where all types of cards are posted of people that do power washing work. And I was going through those cards looking for someone to call and you walked in the door and asked for the job. May I say that's the kind of God that I serve, a God that's in time only time every time a God that's with me in my lows a God that's with me in my highs a God's with me when I'm on top of the mountain or the mountains on top of me he's a God that sustains he's a God that supplies he is a gracious God somebody ought to praise him in the house today when we're without grace he's got grace when we don't have patience he's got patience he's an on-time God Yes, he is. God's grace is better than we deserve. Second thing I want you to remember, please, is this. God's governing is beyond what we can discern. We see only the momentary. We see only the present, but God sees the whole panorama. He beholds the complete picture. And God's governing is beyond what we discern. God's governing is beyond what we discern, even when He destroys what delights our flesh. Jonah was glad for the gourd. God had sent the gourd, and Jonah was glad. You know, the thing that I find intriguing about this story is a city had repented, and Jonah's not glad for that. But God sent a gourd, and Jonah's glad for that. And God in his wise sovereignty, God in his omniscient wisdom, Sends a, a worm. That thing that was silent. That thing that was small. In a night. Suddenly. Took away the gourd. It don't take much. For God. To change our world. God's governing is beyond what we discern when He destroys what delights our flesh. God's governing is beyond what we discern when God deploys what distresses our faith. I mean, Jonah is in a tailspin now. First of all, he has a gourd, and then now the gourd is gone. 
And the Lord sent an east wind. Somehow or another, this God of Jonah, he just never runs out. He prepares a fish. He prepares a storm. He prepares a gourd. He prepares a worm. He prepares an east wind. Friend, you always remember, God's always got a bag full of surprises. <laughs> and there's no way you can outdistance Him. There's no way you can outmaster Him. He is God. And that's the only kind of God I want to serve. I don't want to serve a God that I can dictate. I don't want to serve a God that I can command. I don't want to serve a God that I can control. But I want a God that's greater than I am. I want a God that's wiser than I am. I want a God that can outmaster anything that I attempt to do. You see, oftentimes we want a cabin God. We want a cloister God. And we want a crib God. And we want to confine God to a box. And we want a God that does this for us. And a God that does this for us. And we want a God that we can dictate to. A God that we can tell, I want this in my life. And I want you to do this, this, and this. As if God is a jack in the box and we can put him on a shelf. And when we need him or want him, we'll come turn the crank. And he's supposed to pop out at our bid. Anybody want to help the want to preach? But the God that I'm talking about is not one that answers your command. But you're to answer his command because he is God. And he's got a fish. And he's got a wind. And he's got a storm. And he's got a worm. And God knows exactly how to get your attention because he is God. God's grace is better than what we deserve. God's governing is beyond what we discerned. And then now, last, God's, God's goodness is bigger than what we can desire. For you see, in this short chapter, God reveals himself to be a good God. A God that is willing to save even who Jonah hated. <clears throat> A God that had mercy on people that Jonah had unmitigated hatred for. And that's the difficulty that we sometimes have. How does God love people that we think are unlovable? How does God favor people that we can't tolerate? How does God put up with? How does God somehow allow things to happen as he does why doesn't God do something about it and God says to his prophet doest thou well to be angry he said I tell you what 
I'll be angry unto death. He was downright mad. However, he was flat out wrong. Now, you may be mad about it, but you could be wrong about it. Now, the Bible says, be angry and sin not. And the Bible said, uh, let not the sun go down on your wrath. Now listen, let me talk to you husbands and wives. Some of you that are stubborn. Some of you that's got a stubborn streak in you. And you don't talk to one another when you get mad. You better pray through over that. I can take you to a, where a woman lives in a house all by herself. I can take you where a good little old lady goes to the Pentecostal church and she loves God. Amen. But she lives all by herself. One night she went to bed, woke up the next morning, and her husband was still and cold, and there was blood on the pillow. He had died with a hemorrhage in the night. Oh, hear me now. You better not go to bed with that, amen, argument. You better not go to bed with that anger and animosity in your heart. Amen. Is it well to forgive early? Yeah, because tomorrow it may be too late. And some of you that live in the same house and won't even speak a good dose of forgiveness I'd go a mighty long way and I'm preaching better than the church is saying amen. Oh yeah, you may stand at a graveside in days to come and say, I wish I'd have fixed that. I wish I'd have took care of that. I say forgive now because tomorrow could be too late. That's the anger that God witnessed in his messenger. And I wonder, I wonder to, today if God were to look closely and carefully at your life, does God see anger and animosity in your heart? That's the anger that God witnessed in his messenger. But I want to conclude, please, with the answer that God wanted from his man. Oh, I'm glad that God's goodness is bigger than we desire. For you see, while God witnessed anger out of Jonah, God wanted an answer out of Jonah. However, the book ends with a question mark. What was Jonah's Response. How did the story end? God got the answer he wanted. Because Jonah wrote the whole story. Hallelujah. Jonah told it all. Jonah to the very last question mark. Even though it made Jonah look bad, Jonah told the whole story. And so in the end, God got his man. In the end, God made a true prophet out of Jonah. And even though it appears that Jonah was unforgiving and unrelenting and showed no compassion, but yet in truth, he wrote the whole story. And God got his man. God made Jonah to realize, I love who you cannot love. I have mercy on those upon whom you have no mercy because God 
God is a God of love and God, God is man. Now there are some responses that you can have concerning forgiveness. The first is, I cannot forgive. Second is, I'll forgive, but I'm not going to have anything to do with them in the future. Or third, you can say, I'm going to do them a favor by forgiving. Or then, fourthly, you may say, well, I'll forgive, but I'll, I'll never forget. Many years ago, there was a preacher. By the name of Batsel Barrett Baxter. Try that real fast. Preacher Baxter was aboard an airliner. There sat beside him a man that was very well groomed. Very obvious his suit was expensive. However, he noted that the man was blind. An old preacher, Baxter, began a conversation with this man that was well-dressed and well-groomed but blind. The man told him his name and then said, I'm the CEO. I'm the executive of a corporation. He recognized the name of the corporation. He was sitting beside of a man that was a multi-millionaire many times over, but yet blind. The old preacher Baxter asked the man, said, how is it that you're blind? He said, a competitor hired a man to throw acid into my eyes and blinded me. He said to him, sir, what did you do? He said, at first I hated. And then I realized that the hatred was only killing me. So I forgave him. Amen. Oh, I wish the Lord would make me a preacher. On the second day of the 10th month of 2006, October the 2nd, 2006, a 21-year-old man walked into an Amish schoolhouse. He had all types of guns and ammunition on him. He dismissed 15 of those students and then held hostage 15 students. They called the authorities. The Amish did. And the authorities came. But before the, the authorities could break in the schoolhouse, he killed three of those little girls and wounded two others. And in just a matter of hours, they were dead. So five deaths. And then the confrontation with the authorities. And that 21-year-old man who's killed five children is gunned down by the authorities. The day of the funeral came. His widow was there. The minister was there. This man that had killed five. The widow was there for the funeral. Associated Press. I remember reading the story. Much to her utter amazement. Those that came to comfort her was the Amish community. And those that had took up a collection so that that widow would have means to live with and have a paycheck for days 
days to come was money that was contributed by the Amish community that they felt like the best way that they could get through what they could not get over was to forgive it and I wish the Lord would make me a preacher today I know you're hurt I know you're disappointed but the best way to get through it when you can't get over it is just forgive it and go on and love God and worship God no matter what you're standing all over the house your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed thank you for your sweet presence I feel here today thank you for your goodness that I recognize in this room thank you Lord for your Holy Ghost that I feel right now Lord for that one that needs to know forgiveness in their heart that one God that Lord that has suffered some type of injustice some type of hurt in their life whatever disappointment they may be going through help them Lord to find forgiveness